Hey gang, welcome to the Gill Athletics Connections podcast, the show that brings you the men and women of track and field and explores their unique stories. The show is brought to you by Gill Athletics. Head on over to gillathletics.com to find all your track and field equipment needs. I'm your host, Mike Cunningham, National Sales Manager for Gill, and this episode, our guest is episode 13 of the Athletics LLC show on YouTube every Friday. This episode is from July 3rd. Uh, these guys really got into it, talking about the best ever, ever. Ever, ever. So I think you're going to enjoy this one. So without further ado, please help me welcome the wise, the wonderful Athletics LLC, episode 13. You are tuned in to Athletics LLC with Lamar. Big Lee Chu, yeah. him, my man Clyde. <laughs> you are about to be schooled in all things track and field. This is experience. Yes, sir. We are talking past, past present, present, future. future. Y'all listen up. Let's go. Good evening, good evening, all. Welcome back to another fun week, fun evening of, of chit chat talk and a little bit of banter in between that. Uh, let's go ahead and get our introductions out of the way. We're going to go the opposite direction this week, and we are going to start with just plain Lamar. Lamar, there we go. <laughs> Got Lucius. Good evening. And finally, Clyde. And I, you know, I'm, I'm digging the. I'm, I'm digging it. Yeah. I, you know, bow tie today. I the the Clyde, the ties for Clyde have not started to roll in yet, but I'm waiting on it. I'm wait. I'm waiting. The slow trickle. Yeah. So, so are yeah. you Clyde X tonight? <laughs> I, I could be Clyde X. I'm, I'm sure I'll be accused of Clyde X later in the segment. At some point in time, he will become <laughs> Clyde X. I am a fan. I'm yes. here for the revolution, whether it's <laughs> televised or not. Oh, it's definitely going to be televised. You don't have to worry about that. It's going to be televised. It's on YouTube, so we're halfway there. So. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and get dirty. Let, let's start this chit-chat about, um, let's stir up some controversy, as we have in the last couple of weeks with some follow-up Facebook posts. Uh, who are the most underrated male and female track athletes in history? Okay. Who do we what, we do the we want to do the male the females first and then come back to the males? Wanna do that? Sure. Let's go ladies first. Okay. Let's be gentlemen and do that. Um, yeah. I mean the most underrated lady for me um, is Evelyn Ashford. Um, I don't think she gets nearly the credit. Oh, did, oh, did I steal your person? I'm so sorry, Clyde. You know I, I am proud that you, would, you know, that you are aware of the greatness of Evelyn Ashford. You know, so I, I'm I'm really I'm happy that you realize that. But I'm sorry, you know, I just I had to do what I do. Um, Evelyn ran 7:08. She ran 10:76. She ran 21:83. Evelyn ran sub 11 seconds 30 times. Wow. 30 times. You know, just, just absolutely unheard of. And she was back there against the, you know, the Eastern Bloc, we'll call them, you know, the, 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 those, those folks. And she carried the torch and she carried it well. She did it with class. She did it with pride. Um, you know, just, I think she carried the banner for USA Spring for a long time. And uh, I think she's very underrated for the, the works that she did when she was uh, the sprint queen of the world, in my opinion. Well, it's going to be a pretty short segment right here. <laughs> <laughs> 
as Lucius. I'm not going to say he stole it because he, he got the answer right. It's not a steal when you just get it right. He just so happened to be going first there. Um, as I was pondering this, you know, my, my struggle was because Evelyn is highly respected. Uh, I think anybody that knows anything about our sport has a lot of respect for Evelyn. But the, the, the term in the question is underrated. And I think by the sheer accident of who she was up against and the, the, the time in our sport that was that period, in my, in my opinion, the dirtiest period we've ever seen, she still was able to thrive in a way that however further along into the future, people can still recognize her as the GOAT or one of the GOATs. And to me, given all that she had to fight against, that is what I, allows me to say most underrated. Because if you take the, the dirt out in, from in front of her, I think she'd be standing alone, undisputed, as at the top of the mountain as the, as the greatest 100-meter female sprinter we've ever seen. And so for all the reasons Lucius already said, that was my most underrated. Hmm. Uh, well, I mean, look, the, the correct answer has already been said twice. But so I'm not going to bore the public with more of why Evelyn is the correct answer. Um, I mean, if you go back and look, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure. I'm not sure that, not that there aren't, very, there aren't very, many, very many people, if any, who have run faster than her without any controversy at all. Just, just look at the marks. I, I'm not throwing shade at anybody. I'll just say. No, we're going to go Clyde on this. Check the tape. Yeah. Just look at the, look at the list. <laughs> she, and, she, she was going to check the tape for us right now. If you, if you just look at the list, there aren't, there aren't very many people who have run faster than her without any controversy. So we'll just leave it at that. But, okay. but I, I do want to say that as strange as this may sound, like I think that Jackie joyner Kersey maybe is not underrated, but is without question the most underappreciated human being we've ever had in the sport, male or female. Okay. All she did was beat everybody at everything. Um, and I mean, she ran 22.30 in a heptathlon. Can we just let, just let that wash over you? <laughs> so, I mean, at the end of the day, like, she was the best female athlete to ever walk this planet. And Although those of us in the sport, in the know, we had a great appreciation for her while she was competing. The fact that she's like kind of gone away and hidden in um, witness protection is insane to me. Like little girls are not like still trying, like we're not as coaches trying to build the next Jackie. Like, you know what I mean? Like she's not heralded like Jesse Owens. Hey, yet. speak for yourself, buddy. Yeah, what, what I'm saying is... <laughs> Like, we, we still talk about Jesse Owens, as we should, right? I mean, look, he's, he is our logo for Athletics LLC. I'm working on a, on, a, on a Jackie logo, just so we're clear. But he's every bit as, as special to the sport as, as Jesse was. And we just don't talk about her very often. And I, I, I find it amazing sometimes. Like, when you look at what all of her PRs are, you're like, there's no chance that's one human being, you know, like it's, it, it's just not, it's just not possible in a lot of ways. And she's like the nicest human being you'll ever meet. Mm -hmm. 
And so I, I, I can't say that she's underrated. I mean, I guess that's unfair, but I definitely think underheralded. Like somebody who we should, like Jackie should have her own stamp. You know what I mean? Like they should be naming schools after her. And, and at the end of the day, like she's just kind of on a list of like, oh yeah, great track athletes ever in the US. Oh yeah, and Jackie Joyner Kersey. Like, nah, dude, she's like in a class by herself and there's a waiting list to get in. So uh, Evelyn is the answer. I, I, I agree with both of you. I think she is the most underrated because she was ridiculous and racing dudes, as we've mentioned more than once. But, uh, I, you know, I think somebody needs to stand on a table and ring a bell for Jackie Joyner Kersey every now and again. So, go ahead, go ahead, Big Lee. When I type in, I typed in who's faster than Evelyn Ashford and didn't get an answer. I typed in uh, fastest female sprinters and her name was not on the list at all. Um, See, let, let me help you here. Yeah, I don't know if I'm typing in the right words, but. Uh, yeah. Oh, if you, want, oh, if you want the list, we can get you the list now. Yeah, we'll get you the list right now. That's not a problem. Yeah, that, that's it's easy. Tough. I think off the top of my head, it's like uh, Flojo is at 49, and then is it's it Flojo, Marion, officially Jet. Jet's at 65. Marion, then right? Jet is the, the top three. Um, and then you start getting into, and then I is, think Shelly Ann is number four at 72 yeah. or 74. Okay, the, Seven. the Florence at 1049. Jetter is 64, Marion is 65, uh, Shelly Ann at 70, Elaine at 70, mm -hmm. Christina Rona at 73, Merlinati at 74, English at 74, Karan Stewart at 75, and Shikari Richardson at 75. So she would be right behind those. Now, hmm. now we, while, we're, while we're on the women, because we all obviously agree the answer is Evelyn, I, I would uh, like throw out some love to Merlene Adi. I think she is most definitely underrated um, given, you know, her longevity and all that she accomplished. And that, that was the other person that I was playing around with in this discussion. Again, the answer is that, but I think Merlene Adi deserves some uh, honorable mention in that. Yeah. The national record holder for Slovenia? <laughs> Probably does. Just for Merlene, you just based it on the, her longevity. Um, you know, she didn't get a lot of gold in her life, but she was always a factor in all those races. Um, a lot and, of silver. Yeah, her, her longevity in the sport and, and her competing at a high level for a long time um, was very, very impressive. So I would have to agree, yeah. Now, now, before I get my answer stolen twice, if, if you don't mind, I would like to go first on the men because I feel like one of you two is gonna get is gonna agree with me on this. My answer is Calvin Smith. Oh, for the exact same reason oh. that we just went down the list for Evelyn Ashford. Calvin Smith does not get nearly the recognition that that man Thief. deserves and that his Thief. career should have been given all of the pure nonsense he had to encounter when he was ready to run fast over all his years. Calvin Smith, to me, was an easy, easy answer as far as underrated, underappreciated all time for the men. 
Calvin Smith, hands down for me. Okay, so I happen to know Calvin uh, personally, an incredible person. Uh, I had the pleasure of, of working with his son. And Calvin was actually uh, on my list as well. But I, I decided to go, and people are probably going to be, you know, I'll get some Facebook posts about this one. Um, my guy, I think, is under underappreciated, underrated is uh, Edwin Moses. Okay, what is this? Is this still Chris's answer tonight? This hey, is, I'm this with is, you on that. He, was, he yeah. was on my list. Exactly. And, I mean, the man won 107 consecutive finals, 102 consecutive races, okay? Um, he, he competed in eight, I mean, nine major championships, uh, Olympics, Worlds, World Cup, Google Games. He had eight goals and one bronze. He ran 47.02, 37 years later, that's still the fifth fastest time in history. Um, what he, he just, we're still waiting for another, you know? Like, you know, we, we've seen the, the event be reinvented like, like in a hundred or other races, but nobody has been able to reinvent what he did. You know, like these, these other guys have had one off or two off races where they've run well. Like this guy was an absolute machine. Every time he stepped on the track, he, same race model, got it done the same way. Yeah. And, you know, that, so that, that's my guy. I, I don't think he's nearly appreciated for what he did for the sport and definitely for that event. You know? Man. Well, I, I didn't think there was any chance that, like, my 1A and 1B would both be stolen. But uh, kudos to both of you. I'm very <laughs> proud of you. I'm very happy. This great is a, job, Clyde. <laughs> a great night. Um, yeah. I, I, I will, I'm going to say a couple more things about Edwin. And, and I, I think the only issue that Edwin had is he was competing for most of his career at the same time as Carl. So his streak in a lot of ways got overshadowed by Carl's long jump streak, mm -hmm. uh, both of which are ridiculous just for the record. But I need the rest of the young world to, un to understand about Edwin Moses. Like they know how fast he ran, but they don't know who he is. Like, I mean, Edwin Moses didn't go to a power five school. He, he didn't have like all Morehouse the Morehouse college. Yeah. He went to Morehouse. So it's like. Out of Dayton, Ohio, by the way, I just figured, you know, I throw that in there for you. He, he <laughs> did not have a lot of the things that are afforded to many of, of the young people now. But what he had was an, an indomitable spirit and a huge brain and, you know, a, a, a calculating will. Like, I don't think Edwin ever actually ran 45 seconds in the open 400. But in his mind, like, for what? Like, I run the 400 hurdles. But I will tell you that I know for sure he has run 800 meters over hurdles. <laughs> I, I know that that's happened more than once. And I know that he might be the strongest human being to ever run 400 hurdles. And at the end of the day, like he invented the 13 step all the way around. And guys are still trying to do that correctly. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, yet again, another human being who completely changed the sport and an event, dominated an event that, that really can't be dominated for as long as he dominated it. And, most people don't talk about him anymore. And uh, yeah, that's good why on my guy. 
good on you to both of you because those those were my one A and one Bs. You know, you ask you ask young people now like to go backwards, like name the world record holders, and they just skip right past Calvin. <laughs> mm -hmm. The Calvin only guy in that race that never tested positive, Calvin Smith. Right. Yeah. Right. Imagine, imagine, imagine the level of just frustration. How how are you gonna make an Olympic final, and then however many years you you come to realize that you're the only dude that was on the line that didn't have these issues. The like, only guy. Yeah. That like, that yeah, is. Let me tell you how this is how, this is how humble Calvin is. When 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 Calvin the second was here on the team, RSID asked him to come bring his medals. And you know, do, they want to do a story on him. He shows that his, his medals are in this little bag. You know, and he just pulls them out. You know, he's like, he just like, wasn't a big deal to him. You know, like that, like that. He does, those medals don't make Calvin Smith. You know, he was just a phenomenal guy. Still is, I'm sure. Yeah, I texted. I texted him for Father's Day. I'm sure he's. I mean, he's, he's doing well. But like, what a, what a just phenomenal guy. Phenomenal guy. And I, I had the pleasure of meeting Edwin Moses when I was about 16, 17 years old. Yeah. Um, so that was a great experience as well. Yeah. Nice. Looks like we're uh, we're getting too good at our job here, guys. Slow now. <laughs> Pump the brakes there a little bit. <laughs> um, so let's dissect these bests a little bit, and let's identify um, the best NCAA indoor and outdoor meet championships. Do we do we go the, to the, the, the NCAA championship meet? NCAA right? championship meet. Best indoor I, 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 I get the impression this is going to be kind of the same thing. I think unless unless you guys are delusional, and we know Lamar has been delusional at times, um, but, he, but, but he's eating well tonight. So I'm really, I'm thinking he might be okay. His, um, pro, his protein is up. Protein yeah. is up. I, I mean, for me, guys, the best NCAA meet I've ever been to was a 2018 meet. Yeah, not even close for me. Um, for me, I mean, so, you know, you get – 652 wins the men's 60, 707 wins the women's. There's a world record set in the men's 400. 4527 was fifth in the men's 400. Collegiate record in the women's 400 with the second place person also broke the collegiate record in the 5087 was third. Um, Throwing my boy, ran 747 in the hurdles. You know, I gotta give a little shout out there. Um, collegiate record broken in the men's 200. Third place was 2034. Women's 200, collegiate record, um, 22.55 was third in that race. Men's world record was broken in the men's 4x4. Four four. Uh, the top Twice. three teams broke, top three teams broke the, the world record. Right. right. Um, great long jump competition is, you know, 26.10 uh, to 26.7, Shepard are the top three guys. Um, Couture Orgy goes 46.10 in the triple jump. Three guys over seven six in the high jump. Uh, meet record in the women's pole vault. You know, so basically one world record, six collegiate records. That's my meet. I don't know if there's a better one out there for me. I, I wasn't sure if we were meant to make a distinction between indoor and outdoor. If we were, uh, then that can get interesting. But if it's just the best and the best NCAA championship ever, it was clearly indoor 2018. I mean, what else? Oh, see, see, and, and this, is, this, this is troubling for me because this was your question. This was like your suggestion, I thought, so. No, sir. <laughs> this is definitely not mine. <laughs> oh, my fault. It was Lamar's. I apologize. 
Uh, it was definitely not mine, but we'll it go. Definitely with it definitely wasn't mine, so it had to be Clyde's. It was Clyde's, Clyde. but but, I, but we're not. Gonna, I'm trying not to throw him under the bus. Okay, so we, we were now, the distinction, the distinction in, in in the group discussion was best indoor or and outdoor meet. Right. So let's just do, let, let's so just clearly, along and we'll do. Now for outdoor, for outdoor, for me it's different. For me, well, for outdoor it's different. Can, can you can you talk about your indoor meet first? Are you going you let Lamar I mean, talk can, about his? Oh yeah, uh, he has a different one. I'm sorry, I, I didn't. He might have never done with Lamar. I I don't. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I've I've been to uh, I don't know six billion indoor meets. 2018 indoors is the best indoor meet ever. Period. I mean. I'll take third place in all the events. That's still pretty good. <laughs> right. So let's get to so, this outdoor meet. Yeah, you, you, can, you can go right where you are, sir. You can go without outdoor. Go for it. So, look, at the risk of sounding like a homer, and I really, I really don't feel like I am, but which – mean, Which means you are, but go ahead. No. no. Um, for me, it's a 1A and 1B, and I, I did happen to be in both, and I wasn't really prominent in one of them. Um, the the nineteen eighty nine outdoor meet at BYU and the nineteen ninety three outdoor meet at uh, Tad Gormley in New Orleans were both just pretty much ridiculous. Like there were records broken all over the track. Um, the sprints were ridiculous. The distances were ridiculous. The field events were ridiculous. And the NCAA outdoor meet, like if we're just going to be clear, the like NCAA outdoor meet is the best meet every year in my opinion even in olympic years the ncaa outdoor meet is the best track meet from beginning to end on the planet but those two particular ones were i mean i guess somewhat they were special to me but they were also special because there were so many lasting performances that happened in those things you know and i mean look Dennis Mitchell's lifetime 200-meter PR is in that meet from after he false started in the 100. He comes back mad and what wins the 200? What 20? Is it 2001? Is that right, uh, Lucius? 2002? Three. Three. I can't see your fingers. You know that. <laughs> and and I just you know the, the the meet was amazing. The 93 meet. If you ever go back and watch the tape, you'll see me when you go by. I'm in the tent. <laughs> I broke every NCAA rule there is. I, I set up a tent underneath the scoreboard because I was in a decathlon. So, and they let me. So I was in the tent watching the entire meet, and it was just amazing. Like every time somebody went on the track, something crazy happened. And uh, Lucius, you were there, so I know you remember this. The NCAA men's four by four in that meet was ridiculous. Well, it Georgia was Tech, this? Georgia Tech, Ohio State, Baylor. Wasn't there. How were you not at that meet? I was still at Beals High School, my friend. Oh. I started Florida until the fall of 95. I mean, I see you. You go trying to pull me into your stuff again, dog. What do you know? You're much older than me. Look, look, look. You understand. Look, you know I'm your boy, and I have your back at most everything. I wasn't there, though. Well, go back and watch the tape. The 93 is special. Okay. Um, I mean, like six teams under 302 in the 4x4. For me, um, I'm a, I'm not gonna be a homer. If that's what you want to call me, that's fine. It was 2019. Um, 2019 was retarded. Um, clears your record in the men's four by one. Second place team 3808 breaks the record as well. 
17 sub 39. Um, collegiate record and, and collegiate record tying performance in the 110 hurdles. Um, 986 to win the 100. 997 is third. Men's 400, 44-23 to 44-25. 1973 wins the 200, the number two time in collegiate history. 2019 is sixth in that race. Men's 4x4, um, 259.05, just missing the collegiate record, 259.62nd. Three flat 14 gets you for it. Um, it meet record in the men's javelin. You should be proud of me because I, I knew that, Chris Huffins. <laughs> um, 284 feet, like, once that's 86.62, something like that. That sounds right. I did my homework, didn't I? Um, it's pretty far. And, and, and the biggest upset of the championships was in the pole vault when Nielsen beat uh, Mondo. And, my, and my, uh, one of my managers called that. Mm. He said that Nielsen was going to beat him. So then you add just for, for fun, you add the fact that the women's 4x1, 4221 to 4229, 1240 in the women's hurdles, 1075, collegiate record, world junior record. 11.04 was sixth in the women's 100. 22.16 to 22.17, the number four and five times all time. Team title comes down to the four by four, you know, get the you know, box batons and stuff like that. And then um, you know, Giannis David goes 6.84 in the women's long jump, which is number 10 performance in collegiate history. Um, the meet was just, you know, people diving in lines, you know, the guy falling in the steeplechase and getting back up. And it was just all kind of craziness. And there was a much bigger crowd there than people give credit for it too. But cool, cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip, I'm gonna skip past that one. You can skip, skip past it, that, but one. it was bigger than you would give credit for. Uh, I, I hey, mean, hey, the numbers. Check are, the tape. The, hey, as few would say, put a pin in it and then check the tape. <laughs> uh, well, we, but that's the point. That's the point. We can check the tape because the numbers are actually documented, and that's okay. But that, but touche. Getting back to it. Oh, oh, they're documented. I'll, I'll send it to you. Um, here's, here's the thing. I, the way I looked at this question is actually I looked at it through the lens of how we're currently conducting business. And for me, the outdoor championships are currently conducted on separate days for the men and the women. Now, obviously, that is a relatively new phenomenon, but my brain automatically went to looking at those meets as separate entities. And under that, guys, I agree with Lucius for all the reasons he just laid out that the 2019 meet on the men's side was the best NCAA championship. And there's plenty of performances on the women's side where you can make that case. But for me, on the women's side, it was actually 2017 because of the upsets that people did not see coming, like Miss Jefferson upsetting the Oregon girls to break the collegiate record in the 200 meter dash, but also because it ended with a must have four by four for Oregon to cross the line and win the triple crown in a race that they had to have in arguably the greatest four by four race at the collegiate level that we've ever seen. Yeah. Now there's been a better comeback by Miss Kendall Ellis but in that particular race, Ms. Kendall Ellis was the one that lost the race 
um, to, uh, to to the Oregon uh, to the Oregon See, ladies. And, and so and, for and me, I'm gonna start some controversy. So and and, and I know we'll, one of our, our little friend will be glad to. Um, Kendall Ellis's comeback was not the best one ever. I'm just gonna put that out. I hear you. Courtney Colo's anchor leg in 2016 was much better. Well, we, we, we had that debate a few weeks ago, and I don't remember anybody throwing that one out there, but that's all right. Um, you know, so re a revisionist uh, LLC conversation right there. But but for me, but for me, hey, the, the cow now is using the cow words. I hear you. Listen, I, you know, I got my words now. But for me, seriously, uh, I don't think there's any debate on the men's side that the 2019 meet was the, was the best ever. Um, but for the women, 2017 meet did it for me. Like when I, when I sit back and, and watch videos or watch tapes, like that's the meet that I always end up running multiple races back from. And, it, and it's not just, not just the magnitude of this performance versus this performance, because you could run the math and probably find a better meet, but the totality, the drama, the, I mean, the protest, all of it, like that meet, culminated in so many things and at the end of the day Oregon pulled it off for, for a historic triple crown and, and so for me the, the protest by, by a team that wasn't even involved in the protest right protest by a team that wasn't even in the mix it all played into the spectacle that was the yeah. 2017 NCAA women's championship indoor yeah. I never considered them split because we don't ever split them but outdoor well, see, I saw see, that question yeah. well all we're going to ask you to do is when you propose these questions to us in the future Dr. Clyde, that you give us better parameters to which to choose from, and we'll do that. But hey, clearly, I, loved your, I loved your answers. But it was, it was a good question, though. I, I enjoyed it. I, I lumped the two together. I made it one meet. But if you're going to separate the meets, the men and the women, I'm going to go with 2018 and 2017 as well. 19 and 17. 19, 19 and 17, I'm sorry, yeah. 18 indoors for, for the combined, yeah. Oh, yeah, we're, we're all. Uh, yeah, that was. <laughs> <laughs> You walked out of that building just going, wow. What, what did we just watch here? Yeah. I just wanted to call Dwight Stones and be like, so nobody's ever going to break a world record at the collegiate level again. Right. right. <laughs> Why are you picking on Dwight, man? I thought that's your boy. Listen, I, I, let me tell you something. <laughs> I, told, I told Dwight to his face. I said, look, man, I love you. We get along. I said, but you got to understand something. You said some things about me on television that I had to explain to my mother. I was like, so, <laughs> Okay. What's the next topic? We don't want to go there tonight. I didn't know. Before we <laughs> hey, start hey, 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 Clyde, the jug's about to come back out, dog. We don't need that tonight, dog. Listen. <laughs> All right. So let's dissect the, the best even more and talk about how we're getting there. So which advancement formula are, are we thinking that is a better route? Are we talking about two semis or three semis? Is there a better way? Is there a more efficient way? Is there a more captivating way what are we thinking okay so let i've been i've changed my mind on this about 10 times <laughs> i'm gonna say this i i think i'm gonna have to i think i'm going to have to split the baby but i might actually do i might pull a lamar and go all the way around the block on this oh this is gonna be good on the professional side on the pro, on the professional side, I find three semifinals to be absolutely, utterly ridiculous. It should be a two-section semifinal, top four, top four, and you know what? If you so happen to get fifth in your section, 
I don't really want to hear about you whining and complaining that you don't get to run in the final. You got fifth in your race. You don't belong in the final. Now, the next level to that, the level below that is the NCAA level. And at the NCAA level, I can kind of get with the three section semifinal. The problem that I have with it is way too often third place is usually dictated like the fastest uh, non-automatic qualifier is usually dictated by the heat that had the best wind and i think that sucks i think over the time that it takes to run three semifinals the wind usually plays too much of a factor and i do have a little bit of sympathy for the for the kid that gets third place and doesn't advance versus fifth so at the end of the day i, I think i've now talked myself back in and saying across <laughs> the board i prefer i prefer the four and four period, but I have no stomach for it at the professional level. At the collegiate level, I can live with it a little bit. Dude, what are so you Martin, living with? Did you, did you just figure out what you're living with? Yeah, where, where, where are you at? Because you're going around, here's the circle. There's Clyde. You are in no position to <laughs> criticize me. <laughs> I am absolutely in a position to criticize you. Each one okay, of these episodes, so, is they're all one-offs. Okay, so, you know, I, the whole thing with the, the wind is what, what troubles me. Um, the also thing, I don't have as much of a problem with going to two semifinals when you're qualifying from a round before, you know. Um, the only problem you get with that, people like to clown around they, and, the wind, and the, that's on them. Um, so I, I, I'm not a, I don't have a big problem with the two semifinal at the World Olympic level. Um, there's just no way to do it at the collegiate level because we qualify too many people. But like you said, the the wind always dictates the time qualifiers, you know. And then so you get the person that runs into a 1.1, and then the, the heat later, there's a 2.6 behind them. You know, like I, I think it happened at the NCAA meet last year. One of the guys that got in didn't get in at 10:0 was legal, and the other guy was a little 2.6 win. So uh, the wind definitely plays a big factor in that stuff. And that, and I don't I don't know what do you do to correct it. There's nothing you can do. You can't. You can't stop. You can't. You, we take. We take 24 people. You got to have three heats of eight. And there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. I. I mean, unfortunately, Lucius is is correct in that because of the number of people we take, we can't really do what would be right. Which is, in my opinion, a semi is top four, top four, and that's it. Because that eliminates any ad advantageous posture from either heat, right? Top four and top four, that's it. There's no conversation. I, it doesn't matter, like, the wind came up or, you know, this heat was loaded. Like, it is what it is. Like, fifth place doesn't belong in any final. But when you take 24, which we do at the NCAA level, there's no really other – I mean, because Lord knows we don't want to do three heat winners and five fastest. Like, that's terrible. No. Right. So, so I mean, I guess at the NCAA level, until we figure out how to make that number 16 and not 24, we're kind of stuck with that. But I, I think that at the, at the professional level, every time I've ever seen them do three semis, I just look at that and it's like, this is a joke. Because let's, let's address why they do it. It's just, it's the same thing we do with everything with our sport. Some big time guy or girl didn't make it's the trophy culture. Exactly. Yeah, it's, tr it's it actually final, trophy culture. So then they make it three heats to make it, well, just give them a better chance to make the final. You know, it's just like, you know, you know we don't pass a baton correctly. Now we got this big ass chainsaw. You know, we, we change the rules to make people follow it. You know, 
if you go to a meet and you know it's the top four, you know, we, we used to have this big debate at our conference meetings because, you know, for the longest time, the SEC, we would seed the top 16 people in the 400 and the 200 indoors. You know, totally, totally illegal. <laughs> that, that's not the way you do it. But because we were like, we wanted to make sure the best people got to the final. That's not why, you, that's, you, you know, you follow the advancement form. And if the people don't make it, they don't make it. Like you said, it's the trophy culture. It's the participation nonsense. And that's, yeah, that's a topic I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later. But I think that's the problem with this advancing formula is it gets changed to try to, to we, the, the, the term that has to be, we have to stop using in our sport is we need to find a way to ensure the best people get to the meet, to ensure the best people get to the final. That's not the nature of sport. The best person on the day is supposed to get to the final. If you're not one of those yeah. best people, come sit in the stands with me and get ready for the four by four. That's what we do. I mean, if we if we follow that that nonsense, David would never have a chance against Goliath, right? Right. Because Goliath is better. Right. And insane. That that the the whole the whole trophy culture issue that that creates the need for a three section semifinal is the exact same trophy culture at the NCAA level that allows for us to keep expanding the notion of All-Americans. I'm sorry. You're not an All-American uh -oh. if you're not in the final. I don't want to hear that you're an All-American and you got 10th place or 11th place or 15th place. You're not an All-American. 23rd, 24th, yeah. Right, like, I don't, first <laughs> team, second team, stop with this. You're not in the final. You're not an All-American. If you're, numbers, if you're number 18, you probably shouldn't be in a semifinal either. So, you know, I, the, the whole trophy culture thing, like, listen, I'm, I'm all, in some instances, I'm all for, you know, the kids having the greatest experience possible. So put the meat at Oregon and let it stay in the cathedral. But once you're there, if you don't earn the right to be in the final eight, sit in the pretty stands and watch the races because that's the way it's supposed to be. And how do you really feel about this, sir? <laughs> See, I, we need to change his name to Clyde X. He just came out. Clyde X just showed up. He did. You, you think oh. that was great. You think that was good. I mean, like, if you really think about it, like, three semis makes so little sense because it's such a huge advantage to be in the third semi. Like, when they, they qualify in the 800 that way, and it always makes me laugh. I'm like, okay, so the first, so the first heat runs out of their minds trying to set a mark, Right. The middle heat just kind of reacts to what they see. And then the third heat, third heat assesses everything that's going on. is like, all right, so third and fourth need to be this fast. Got it. Right? <laughs> like, like, literally, the, the co if you're coaching a kid, a woman or a male, in the first heat versus the third heat, like, you literally are coaching a different event. Mm -hmm. And that's insane. Yeah. And if you got somebody in the first heat, your instructions to them is you better make sure it's fast. Yeah. yeah, and you better be in the first two. Like, just, just be honest. Yeah. Because if, if you're third, I don't care how fast it is, the, the target is on your back. Yeah. Just sometimes you have to make sure it's fast enough that they can't get to the target. That's the only hope. Yeah. Got it. Well, let, let's stick with this chess playing here. Um, how do we create such a structure that we get teams qualifying for NCs? So we, we talked about, I think it was last week, about the week before, getting the team culture at the NCAA meet. Um, how do we create such structure to do so? <laughs> well, you know, first of all, I'm, I'm going to give a shout out to my, my man, Ethan Tucson. He and I had a very passionate and uh, well, uh, 
well thought out discussion about this about a week and a half ago. And um, I, the first thing I'm gonna say is I think the biggest problem we have is, is we, the NCAA tries to follow the Olympic and World Championships model. And we're not, the, we're not those people. Um, I think that we have, to, we have to do something to make our sport more appealing. We have to do something to make ourselves more important. You know, we are not important to the ADs, we're not important to the presidents, we're not important to the fans of the sport. We're not. Um, I think if we use the model, whether it be like basketball or baseball, where we qualify as a team to the championships, if we have regular season competitions that mean something, that are scored against other conference school, against other schools in your conference, um, I think that that would definitely lead to uh, a lot more interest in the, uh, in, in the sport. If you have a meet on your campus that say it's the East Division of the BSCC and it's a regular season meet, you know, we also always hear this rhetoric where we can't run every weekend. Well, there are some schools that do, and then they play football two or three weeks in a row. Why we can't run a track meet two or three weeks? You know, we just have to, we have to, the conferences have to get involved. The 80s have to get involved. The coaches have to become less selfish. We have to schedule these competitions so that we can have them on our campuses. You know, we need to have more five and six and seven way meets. Um, like I said, I think you have, you have a regular season uh, schedule. You run that schedule. Like in a lot of other sports, maybe if you got 14 schools in your conference, only the top 10 schools get to go to the conference championships. Okay. You've got a 40 man roster, a 40 woman roster. Only that only your top 30 can be taken to competitions. During those competitions, you only get the inner three people in an event. Um, again, score every event we go to. At the end of the year, you know, to take your, your 32 conference champions, and let's just use the number 60. And now you take those 32, you add 28 more to it. You have 10 regions around the country. And the top team, the winner from each region gets to go to the NCAA championships and those 10 teams fight it out for the NCAA championship. So the first thing people are gonna say is what about the individuals? You know, the, the individuals in track and field should be treated no differently than the individuals in, in swimming that aren't on national championship level teams baseball, basketball, there's a lot of times where the leading scorer in the country doesn't even make the NCAA tournament, okay? And that, again, it goes back to what we talked about before, this trophy culture, this culture of, you know, everybody, we're, we're a participation sport, and that's why they don't take us seriously. Like, we go to meets all year long. There's a reason why nobody pays his attention until we get to the conference meet. There's a reason why nobody pays his attention, really, except for every four years, because that's when we become relevant because we're like the Olympic model. But if we became more of a team sport, we would be, I believe we'd be more relevant. I think our coaches would be more relevant. I think that your team structure would be more relevant because now you can't just have people on your team to be having them. You need to have a broad-based team. Every coach on your staff now becomes important, okay? There's a week, okay? Does anybody ever pay attention to the fact that if a good offensive coordinator loses his job, Another school will fire theirs to hire him because every position on a football staff is important. Every, every coaching position is important. And we need to do the same thing for track and field. Everybody on the staff should have a responsibility that's creating, that's, that's helping make, make the program better. But what we're doing right now is, and let me, I'm not, look, I'm not saying track and field is screwed up and this is gonna happen tomorrow, cause it's not. But at the end of the day, when we're sitting in these rooms and we're talking about we want to be taken more seriously until we make ourselves more serious and stop doing the things we're doing. Nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change at all. 
Lamar. Oh, no, no. I'm popping popcorn waiting for your answer because I know your answer is very different than his. I'm sure it is. I've been waiting on this one all day. Would you Would you like <sighs> to go before you? Because I, I was more... No, 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 no. Please I, let I him go. He needs, get, you know, he, he needs to get it off his chest. Go ahead. I'm, I'm, let, me, let me get a pencil so I can take some notes. I'm sure I'm going to need notes on this one. <laughs> Lucius, I love you. So you say... And... There is there is a lot of, of that was a that was a if we were in court that that would have been a, a well argued point that that you overall made there. And knowing I, that I had I to understand deal with you tonight, I, I made sure I did that. Trust me. I understand the tenets. I get all of that. And at the end of the day, if 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 you want to if you want to take the position that it sounds like you've taken, which is the professionalism position, what is best for the working professionals in our industry, you might even be right about that. But to me, to me, I'm, I'm still a purist. And I can't tell you how disgusted I am by the idea that the NCAA championships should be decided based on who has the best team and not who is the best at what they do. No matter how much we want to, um, yeah, you hold your hands up. I am uninterested. I am thoroughly uninterested in turning on my television or showing up to the championship and watching the quote unquote 10 best teams in the country put their three best athletes in the 100-meter dash when I know good and well there are six or seven kids at the house that can run nine nines and just so happen to be not be on a team that matters. I'm not interested in that. That is not what our sport is. Our sport is can you run the fastest? Can you throw the furthest? Can you jump the furthest or the highest? Are you the best at what you do? What you're talking about may be the best path for professionalism for the coaches it may i'm sure it's the best way for us all to get raises but it's not the best for the kids it's not the best for the optimal performances at the meets which is when i see a championship in our sport i want to see the best athletes available competing for the 100 meter dash championship i don't care i don't want to turn on the tv and see the winner of the 100 meter dash running 10-1 because, oops, the 10 best teams that got there didn't have any real 100-meter people that year. I'm not interested in that. The only way, the only, and for me to, for me to get through this question, because I, I wanted to do the question justice, I actually wanted to put forth a path to answer the question rather than just slam my, my, my book on the table and be like, this sucks. So by I the way, when he's done, I'm going before you go. Cause you know, I'm old. I so I want, so I wanted to actually address the question and there's, and there's pieces of what you said that I don't disagree with. The only way that I could even remotely stomach this team championship idea is partial to what you said. When the conference championships are over, the conference championship teams at every conference move on. And there we have our descending order lists. Also, the top whatever, the top 
15, the top 10 individual athletes who are not a part of said teams also get to move on. That way, if you're the best, that way Francina McCrory, who went to Hampton, doesn't get locked out of the NCAA championship because she chose to go to an HBCU. What makes her different than the guy that led the NCAA in basketball and scoring that didn't get to go? What makes basketball her, what the, team, the difference is, and, sir, and that's my point. Is, track and field is, is team sport. And that's I vehemently disagree with you. Track and field yeah. as a team sport may help us get bonuses. It may no. help coaches get phrases. But because it look, doesn't look, look. serve the okay, interest the coaches of that are, the, the kids. coaches that are getting bonuses are getting bonuses, Chuck. Let me enlighten you on something real quick. Wait a minute, I okay. wasn't finished. Okay. I wasn't you, you, you're going around the block again, but I'm going to wait for you. No, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. Okay. The only answer to a team advancement model to me is if you still leave space and opportunity for the individuals to get into the meet and screw up the scoring. I'm all for the individuals getting in the meet and screwing up the scoring. If I'm the best 400-meter runner in the country and I was whatever, under-recruited, coming out of high school and now I've been developed into something else, I shouldn't have to transfer schools just to go race at the national championship. That's ridiculous to me. And okay, the small school, schools. What do you mean? Because because there's because there's only sir, there's only there's only eight to ten teams every okay, year so, so, okay. that are competing for the national championship. And why is and you're now you're speaking to my point. That's the problem. Because nobody's held accountable because they don't have to develop teams. Because everybody's trying to get two or three people and go to the meet and be in the top 25. Okay? That's the whole problem. Because this whole thing of, okay, first of all, you don't want to come watch a guy run 10-1 win the 100. Everybody in the 100 final at the NCAA meet last year would have been in the top 10 teams. See, that's the thing. Okay? You're looking at this as if, okay, now you've got a bunch of media. Okay, but the Povo kid wouldn't have been. Like, okay. 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 All right. So here's my thing. And again, you're speaking to what the problem is with track and field. We're trying to do what's best for one or two people versus what's best for the whole sport. Now, look, I am good. Clearly, I am okay with what's going on with track and field right now. Okay. But if we're going to speak to the masses and everybody sends them at the convention every year, we need more scholarships. We need more money. We need more of this. What is the definition of insanity? Doing this. I understand. Look, I'm going to say it like. My man Lamar doing the same shit over and over again and expecting different results. So, but here's, so no, but there's a fallacy in that. So, so y'all, no, there's no fallacy in that. Keep doing what there we're is. doing. We're not gonna get any more scholarships. We're not gonna get any more any more respect. It's gonna stay the same way it is because we keep but, doing but the, the same fallacy, thing. The, sir, the assumption, the assumption without any without any science behind it is that you're gonna science. get more eyeballs. Wait a minute, that you're gonna get more eyeballs on the TV if. We're watching a meet from Eugene, Oregon, with the ten best teams in in the nation, rather than I didn't, the I twenty-four best kids. Never said that. Yet, so, oh, wait a minute. You started off with that. If we're going to generate more interest, roll the tape back. Do, if we're going to generate regular, more interest, just check if, the tape. What I said was, would we we'll generate more interest if we have more regular season competitions? That's what I'm I cool said. with all the regular check season. The you can do whatever no, you want to do in the regular the season. That's what I said. You can do whatever you want with the regular right. season. Because, because I'm, listen, the, I'm cool see, with that's, that, and that's the problem right there. If you don't have a regular season, okay, it means nothing. They don't care. What do you okay, – we, we, we're going to Arkansas this weekend. What are you going to do? Oh, we're just going to go chase Marks. We're going to go here and chase Marks. That's the problem. Nobody can I, follow again, the sport. I have – listen, I've got no issue. I ran in the Pac-12. I ran in the SEC. i got no issue with my schedule being 
three-way, four-way headbangers every other week. I got no problem with that. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. But again, pick the kids you want. The Nielsen kid in the pole vault, Francina McCory in the, in the women's 400. We got examples of this every year all over the country. The end result of that is the under-recruited kid who goes to school X and becomes the best version of themselves will now have to transfer to a University of Florida, to an Oregon, in order to run at the national championship. Or and that is ridiculous. maybe somebody will hold their damn coach's feet to the fire and make the team get better. Because, again, the top 60 teams in the country are going to go to the first round meet. The top 60 teams in the country. So you're still going to get okay. to go to the first round meet of the NCAA championships. Okay? But so if what I you run would, 44 but, 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 seconds, but, I belong in my no, final. If you run 44 seconds, you belong. In, so then, then the guy that, that rushes for 2,500 yards belongs in the national championship game every year. The guy that leads the country in scoring belongs in the NCAA championship game every year. He does not. These are ball sports. These are it, ball it, it sports. Doesn't matter, okay? Here, okay. here. Doesn't matter. If, you, if you want the real answer here, if you want a direct so, so answer look, to, your, so look, to your crazy you analogy, cannot I'm going to give you one. Either, either it is one way or the other. Either it's a team sport or it's not. You can't it's do not, that. and I'm going to prove it to you. Exactly. It's right. not, and I'm going to prove it to you. I'll okay, okay. To I know you it's right. not. I look, you don't have to prove anything to me. I know it's not a team sport right now. It never should I, be I didn't fall off the freaking tournament trip. I know it's not right now. Okay, here's the thing. Okay, What you're doing right now is why 30 years from now, we'll be stuck in the same daggone place we are right now because nobody wants to change. Let me finish. Nobody wants to change anything. Okay, so y'all keep doing what you're doing. Look, I'm cool. I'm going to retire in about 10, 15 years. Y'all can have it. <laughs> but at the end of the day, Okay, stop talking about you want more scholarship money. Stop talking about you want better salaries. Stop talking about you want better treatment. Stop talking about want a better respect because they do not and will not respect us for what we're doing because they don't. And okay, don't and I, I want to- They won't. I understand what you're saying. I want, all I'm pointing what? out is this, because these, the <laughs> these are the two things that you have said. I understand. Everybody listening and, uh, and everybody paying attention, notice that his last rant was all about the coaches. All no. of that was a yes, it was, sir. How's it about the coaches? All about the coaches. Wait a minute, nothing you just said pertains to the athletes. And your example of the, the leading scorer in the NCAA basketball doesn't have that's an athlete. Team. You're right. Wait a minute, you're right. The difference is the kid who leads the, uh, the, who leads the NCAA in scoring, but his team sucks. He has to use his teammates in order to score those points. Your Grant Holloway doesn't need anyone else on the Florida Gators roster to run 12-9 in the hurdles. He's an individual athlete who's a phenomenal performer. And in our sport, I don't need the rest of the people in my jersey to be great at what I do. In okay, basketball, okay, you, you do. In football, you're you absolutely do. right about These that. These are not team sports. But, but the, 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 I'm not ranting about the coaches, okay? Here's, here's my rant about the coaches, okay? You want to rant about the coaches? Okay? Let, let me, I'm going to be damn Lucius X right now, okay? I'm going to be like Dwayne Ross. Get out your damn cush, cushy chairs and coach, okay? That's the I'm problem, okay? But see, you're not with it because you don't want to change the system. And the system breathes this trophy culture you're talking about. There's about nothing the trophy culture. There's nothing trophy culture yeah. about, about individual qualifications to the NCAA 96 people. Trophy coach. Listen, if you want to shrink the regional, we've already talked about that. Yeah. If you want to go from top okay. 48 and okay, top look. 48 to top 36 say, to top 24, we can do all of that. That ain't got nothing again. to do with the jersey. If you and the rest of the colleagues in the country want to keep going to the convention 
and yelling and screaming at the top of your lungs about respect, about better salaries, about more scholarships, and all the other things that everybody complains about. Until you That's change coaches, something. That's right? Hold on a second. This is about the damn sport. You stop being a smart ass. I ain't with that. Okay? This is about the sport as a whole. Because see, what you don't, what you haven't figured out here is, okay, if you make it more competitive, people will work harder and get better. That's the whole object here from my point of view, right? Because clearly I have no problem with the system as it is. I'm good with the system as it is. But what I'm trying to make you understand is this is that if everybody wants to keep complaining about what we don't get, what we want more of, if you don't change something, you're never going to get it. So keep doing what you're doing. You're going to keep getting what you got. That's all I'm saying. This ain't about the coach. Lamar, you ready to participate now, I mean, I feel like I've been muted. So I, I just been sitting, I, I should have gone upstairs. And I'm going to mute myself stuff. right now. I apologize. We tried. I, I had to bring you I in. Really you ain't still saying that. That was entertaining. Are you Are you guys good? I'm fine. I'm just okay. I'm just telling good. you. Okay. So, See, my, 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 my thing is this, like I said, simple. Okay. If... We're going to continue. We can't call our sport a trophy culture, but then on the back end of us say it's fine and we don't want to change anything, but we want better treatment. We want more scholarship. We want more salaries, but we don't want to increase our value. If we don't do those things, then, then it can change something. Okay. And then, you know, look, you know, I'm, I'll admit I'm a radical guy. I jump off on the ledge a little bit, but I'm just telling you, I sit in meetings with ADs. I've talked to SWAs. I've talked to presidents. Okay? They don't understand what we do. That's the problem. There's no rhyme or reason to what we do in their minds. So, I, I, will, I will say this. Um, this was entertaining to, to listen to the two of you and your perspectives. Um, you know, even like a professor on squad. You saw that. Even moderately enlightening. Um, well, you know, this is, I mean, it's rare that I get to be the voice of reason. Fancy that. <laughs> um, I, I will just say that uh, I think, Lucius, you can verify this for 15 years now, 16 years. I've been saying there needs to be a score. Yep. Is that about right? Maybe longer. Um, collegiately, there needs to be a score. Uh, our regular season needs to be more scored opportunities and every argument that anybody will ever make for make to me about why they shouldn't be I can I can debunk in about three and a half seconds so at the end of the day this is one of those like almost like Mont Johnson rants like don't at me because there needs to be a score just, uh, just let me I'm doing this piece by piece from a regular season perspective there needs to be a score so that you can build positive momentum on each one of these college campuses as it pertains to collegiate track and field because on the vast majority of collegiate campuses nobody knows what we do they know that the fastest people on the on 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 the campus in theory are on our are on our teams there's some people who could jump high they think but they don't really understand at all what we do so there needs to be a score um, and then beyond that the qualification for the national meet, um, 
I think there's some semantics involved as to how many we take and how many regions and all those other things. But at the end of the day, collegiate track and professional track should be different. Um, I think that there being a team qualifying aspect, I'm not 100% sure what's right. So I'm, I, don't, I definitely don't have the answer. But I think a team qualifying aspect would be something that the general masses, we're not talking about track fans. Listen, track fans will get it. No matter what we do to the sport, they get it. Okay. But the general masses, the once every four year fans, the ones that only like track in the Olympic years, a score and teams are what they could get behind. Like they, there are more people who will be fans of Florida than there are of Flamingo. There are more fans that more, more people who will fan will be fans of UCLA than there were ever fans of Otto Bolden. And so therefore, if you can qualify these teams, you can build larger fan bases. That would certainly be a huge step uh, as it as it pertains to power five salaries. So to Clyde's point, that would without question help coaches but i also believe that the quantifiable nature of scores and results would help the sport as if as it on each one of these campuses in your end of the year ad meetings when you're trying to justify why your program needs more money or why your coaching staff needs more money or why your program should be higher profile than it is because at the end of the day, when you say, well, we got nine people qualified for the Olympics and the basketball coach says, well, we won the regular season and see, here's this trophy. The AD goes, well, I, I get the trophy. I don't understand what nine people qualified to the Olympic trials means because like there's no Sears points or whatever that's called now. Like I don't get nothing for that. That's what the AD thinks. And so I do believe that having a team qualifying procedure would help the sport i i would say for the purity of our sport there probably needs to be some sort of amalgus i hate to be in the middle but some sort of amalgus way where we qualify teams and individuals but at the end of the day like what it comes down to is the best individuals in in the collegiate realm they belong in pro track and they'll be there they will okay. See, and I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to present this to you, Clyde, so you understand where I'm coming from. I, I'm not trying to get rid of the individuals because I think individuals make make our sport very special. But I do think that if we make it a more competitive situation from a team standpoint, the individuals will still be there, but the teams will get better. For example, I'll give you this. How many teams made the NCAA basketball tournament? 64. When you were 10 years old, how many people made the tournament? Uh, 32, I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> I have no idea. And why did we expand it to 64? Because it got more competitive. Because people wanted to see more, okay? You know, is it, am I the only one that's noticed, you know, college football has gotten more competitive since we have the playoff. You know, there's more people that, that are grinding. So when you give somebody a prize, you give them something to work towards, then it'll get better. 
And that's my, that's my, that's my charge here. I, I really believe in my heart that if we make people compete harder to get to the meet, if we make the meet more special, then it'll make the sport more special. It'll make people take and, and do a better job of hiring staffs to help them get to the championship. Recruiting, but sir, recruiting harder. But sir, I don't disagree with the, you. You've heard me forever. The spirit of competition to make anything better. I am 100% on that ship with you. But what you're talking about is not about making Kid X jump further, run faster, throw further. You're talking about. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I can't stop because you're telling me what I'm saying and you don't. No sir, sir, you won't even let me finish what I'm saying. So how can you disagree okay. that I okay. can't finish? Okay. Because you just said you're saying, and that's not what I'm saying. Okay, but I listened to you. You need to listen to me. Then what stop you saying just what I said when I didn't say that. I didn't say, because this is all about that. But go ahead. I'm going to let you finish. I'm going to take some notes while you're doing this. So I'm, that's why I don't mess. I'm I, old, I, I doubt. I doubt that you're going to let me finish. I I'm, going, I'm, I'm going to right now. But I'm going to try it. Okay. I'm going to try it again. If you keep talking, I'm going to start, so you better go ahead. When you say the spirit of competition will make recruiting better, that is something that the coaches have to do. When you say it will make hiring better, that is something the coaches have to do. There is no world that exists where a team-based advancement procedure will make the kids have to run faster in the 100-meter dash because, by definition, it doesn't matter if you go to, I don't know, Central Florida and you're the fastest 100-meter person in the country. It doesn't matter. Your, your, your reason for running sub-10 in the 100 is now invalidated because your school will not be at the national championship. If I'm at Alabama State, it doesn't matter if I run a hundred meter faster than anyone in the ACC has ever run it. Cause you know what? My team ain't going to the national championship. So as an athlete, as an athlete, what I'm going to end up doing is looking at the landscape and saying, Hmm, I know my coach is awesome. And I know I've developed here as an athlete, but you know what? Choose team is one of the 10 best teams in the country. So I better get in the portal and find myself on that roster. Doesn't matter if my coach is any good. Doesn't matter if that's going to be a better situation for me as an athlete. I need to be on that team because there's only going to be 10 teams at the dance. That does not breed more competitive nature by the athletes. It definitely breeds more competitive nature by the programs, by the teams, by the coaches. I understand all of that. And to Lamar's point, sir, I'm not saying I agree with you. The, the best of the best are going to be, become pro athletes, no doubt. No one, ever, no one ever said you got to be at a big power pool to become a professional athlete. We got all kinds of examples of that. All I'm saying is if we want to say that the team model is better for the sport, based on what? Better for the sport typically means more eyeballs, more money. Okay, I'm saying there is no evidence. It's all anecdotal to assume that if it's a team-based championship versus the, the 24 best athletes, that you're going to have more eyes on the TV. As a track fan, if, I'm, if I know I'm watching a conference meet where it's the best teams making their 28 best athletes compete, 
versus watching the national championship. I want to watch the national championship because I want to see world-class performances by the best of the best, not because I want to know who did the best recruiting job this year. That doesn't, that's not the same thing. Okay. Can, can I go now? Okay. So bingo. No, no, no. Hold hold on a second. I asked you, don't start that now. I asked you, are you finished? Okay. First of all, this whole, the rant you just went on about it not being about my about, about the athletes. Okay, so if I'm challenging people to recruit more, who are they recruiting? They're recruiting better athletes. If you want to get mm-hmm. to the show, you gotta have what? Better athletes. Because no matter what you're doing, if you don't have better athletes, you can't compete at a high level. And if you want to be mm-hmm. better, you have to go get better athletes and you have to coach them better. Okay. That's the, if, you're, if you're trying to be a better team, if you're a football team or a basketball team or a baseball team or even a track team, you have to go get better athletes, and then you have to coach them. So this is going to help the athletes. And you talk about the guy from Alabama State, he'll get to go to the first round. And if Alabama State really wants a chance, okay, to get to the big show, then they go out and they find a way to get better. Okay? And everybody that goes to Alabama State is not going to transfer to Florida. Because guess what? There's a, there's a cap on how many people you can have on your roster. So everybody just can't jump ship and go someplace else. There's got to be rules in place to govern the whole thing. But this is absolutely about the athlete because in my opinion, if you make it tougher to get to the mountaintop, see, everybody can get there now. Everybody can go. Get you one or two people and go to hang out at the meet. That's, that's my point. If you make it tougher to get there, people will work harder. And in order to get there, they have to work harder for the athletes and make the athlete better. Because you can't get there without the athlete. The athlete is a certain. Do, do you agree? Do you agree? Uh, I'm going to pronounce the kid's name wrong, I'm sure. Do you agree that under your model, the, the kid from South Dakota will never, be, will never be the pole vault champion? Do you agree with that? Um, I can't disagree with that. Okay. So that is, that is the simple and direct point that I am trying to make. That, let's, let's be real. All of us in D1 ain't necessarily playing the same game at D1. Okay. So the, so the idea that you could just, so the idea that you could just sit there and casually say that, hey, we're all D1. And if you want to, you know, do better, make your team better. I'm sorry. Okay, but it's not okay, but it's not impossible if we are all told to if we are all forced to play by the same rules. But we're not that's the point. We're not I look, that's what I'm telling you. We need to be forced to play by the same rules. That's my point. You're exactly talk, talking about what I'm talking about. I'm not saying that everybody does that's the problem with track and field. Okay. Football, everybody plays by the same rules. Oh my goodness. Okay. okay. But they don't though. So when it comes to the rules of the game, everybody plays the same rules. Everybody has the same number of people on the field, the same position players on the field. You get your five offensive linemen, your quarterback, and your skill position, right? When it comes to track and field, everybody has a different model because there is no model. Everybody, everybody does has every listen to me. Everybody okay. has a different Every, strategy to build exactly, their teams. Exactly, because they're not, they're not trying to, most people aren't trying to build teams. They're trying to get individuals. And all I'm saying is this, okay? 
and I'm gonna let I'm gonna let this be because clearly you're not you don't not understanding what I'm saying. Okay, I understand you I, perfectly I, clearly. I, I I'm of the I am of the opinion that if we don't do something different to make our sport more appealing to our presidents, to our ads, to the casual fan, okay, that 20 years from now we're gonna have the same arguments. You know, my man Lamar and I have this conversation all the time. You know, there's a small faction of people in our sport to make good money. And then the rest of them are not so good. And until we do something to make ourselves more appealing, to make ourselves more important, then it's always gonna be that way. So my model, my idea is to make it so it's again, harder to get to the mountain, okay? And if it's harder to get there, what usually happens is people work harder. Just like you talked about with the, from the individual standpoint of kids having to get to the national meet, to go to the regional meet, things got better because they had to work harder and be better prepared. And I'm of the opinion that more coaches will sit down and say, okay, I want to I try to win a team championship. I want to try to be a part of that team. And then maybe the field then gets expanded to 12 or to 14 to 16 as we go along. But, the, but you started with a smaller pot and then people start attacking that small pot, it'll get better. But. All right. Uh, I, I think I think we ultimately should let Lamar have the last word since since, since he said the least. But I, I I don't I don't don't believe you. I think you are being purposely disingenuous because I don't I can't I don't believe. Hold on a second. Are we on second. Twitter right now? No, sir. What no. I don't I don't believe Sam you. Sam Houston, have I ever been disingenuous with you or anybody else in my life? For the record, disingenuous is not a word. <laughs> but y'all keep it well, up. I, disingenuous. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> disingenuous. You you know what disingenuous means. What does it mean? Educate I, me. <laughs> and why would I purposely be doing anything right now? Oh, this is because great. I don't believe for one second that you actually <laughs> what what you're making the art you're making is an elitist argument and at the end of the day it is at the end of the day again i am a purist i can ask, can I ask you why it's elitist sir i just i just want to know why it's elitist that's all I, i'm i'm trying to tell you you ain't got to ask me i'm all i'm on my way to tell you it is an elitist argument because we all understand you everybody you want to tie this to the football analogy we can use the football analogy Colorado State is not playing the same Division I football game that Florida is playing, that Alabama is playing, that UCLA is playing. There is a distinction between the, quote, Power Fives and the rest of Division I. And only in our sport is that gap bigger than it is in football. So we can sit here and act like there's a playoff system in, in D1 college football, there isn't. It's, it used to be this the BCS, and now it's four teams. It's not a playoff, okay? If they were interested in a playoff, basketball is a playoff. That's a real playoff. You got it. You're in the tournament. You line up. You play. That's so, play. You're getting way off topic now. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Because what you are suggesting is that it is remotely even possible for a Colorado State to win the national championship in track. I don't give a damn 
how many scholarships you extend to everybody or whatever you have going on. There is a big, big difference of gap, facilities, management, coaches, salaries, all these things. And the only reason that regionals works, the only reason that it was invented in the first place was to give the little guy a fighting chance to go be a national champion, not as a team, the best 1500 meter runner in the country, the best miler in the country, the best pole vaulter in the country, the kid from South Dakota does not win the national championship. We, not we, because hey, not that is now three times you have said that. I get that. And look, okay, but you're the, the, willing look, to throw okay, for that the last out. time, Chuck, for the last time, this ain't about that. Okay. Right. It's about, so listen to me, listen to me. Else. So it's I'm about, telling you, listen, listen to me very clearly. It's about listen salaries to, and listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth. Okay, I'm good. So when y'all are sitting around bitching about your salaries and bitching about the stuff y'all don't have, I'm good. I tried to help you. Okay. So now, since you call me an elitist, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be an elitist. Okay. Because if I was an elitist, I wouldn't even care, would I? Would I? <laughs> I said it's an elitist argument, sir. That okay. If I was an elitist, team-based model. And, okay, elitist. Team-based model. That, to be an, an argument, have to be an elitist to make an elitist argument. So at the end of the day, I'm just trying to present a proposal that I think it's an idea that I think would make the sport a little more interesting. But hey, Chuck, I'm good. Not really. It can stay just the way it is because we're doing fine. But, but listen, that, that's fine. But that's where ultimately our big religion split happens here. You think you're offering, you're offering that the sport becomes more interesting watching teams. And I say there's nothing more interesting in our sport than watching the best of the best do what they do. And, that and, what, what, and, what, and what you're and what you're what you're beating this drum to death. Okay. So yeah, the guy from from where the hell he's from might not make it. But guess what? There's 12 other ones that will be there. Okay. It ain't the best. Okay, okay, okay. okay. So you're missing one person. So again, you want to be the crab in the bucket, right? So let's hold everybody else down for the one person. No. Since, since I'm, I'm going to leave this, I, I guess that makes you the crab Exactly. And you have so, an opportunity. Yeah. So here's what I'll say, gentlemen. Um, just strictly by definition, uh, a team competition and a team-based competition cannot be considered elitist. Um, I understand what you're trying to say, Clyde, but it's definitely not elitist because (laughs) in in a team model, Alabama State's entire team would be going to the to the round of 64, and Alabama State's entire team would have a much larger fighting chance of making it to the top 10 in the national meet than they currently do. Because if you look at what we are currently doing, right? If you look at what, what happens every year, the top 10 is what? Seven, it's seven SEC teams, two Pac-12 teams and an ACC team, something along those. It, look, I might be off by one or two, but the general formula is somewhere in that nature. And at least from a team, if, it, if there was a team competitive situation, now I'm not, I will say that Lucius and I, we differ on what that looks like. 
But, nobody, nobody knows. It's, it's just, I mean, right. I'm just throwing right. out numbers. I'm just I, so, the, so, the, so the numbers are semantics to me. I will right. say that look, there should be and, and there needs to be a difference between collegiate track and professional track. And I understand the honorable notion of what you are saying, Clyde, um, because I used to work at Eastern Michigan and I worked at Boise State. And, you know, I coached a national champion on a, on a women's team where she was far superior to the rest of the women on the team. Like, I get it. I understand what you're saying. But I will also say that if you remember correctly, we were in the team battle tooth and nail with y'all when you were at Louisiana Tech for the conference championship. And if we had yeah. done a slightly better job in a couple of events, we would have beaten y'all. And my yep. entire team at Boise State would have gone to the national championship in the model that we're speaking of. Yes, so, I'm, so, I get that. So what I'm I saying is a, a team model will be more, more inclusive and less divisive. And there will be more people whose track, I don't even want to say this, but whose track lives will matter, whose, whose, <laughs> whose performances will matter. Like, look, I grew up in dual meets, right? Look, I'll give you the best example I can give you as, as, as to where uh, quote-unquote mediocre performance can, can really matter and make you a hero. Uh, we beat, I think it was Illinois in a, in a dual meet. Somebody. And no, you know, it was a big meet, so it was against Stanford uh, on the men's side. And the now highly acclaimed actor, Yahya Abdul-Mateen, was a triple jumper on the team. Um, and we needed a point to win the meet. And he PR by two and a half feet and jumped like 46, 10 or some nonsense. That's obviously not very far, but he was third place in the meet against Stanford and we won. Um, and at the end of the day, like they picked this fool up on their shoulders and carried him off. Like, and that, look, I guarantee you, if you ask Yaya, who has been in multi-billion dollar movies, if you asked him to name his top 10 moments in his life, one of those is that meet. So, the collegiate experience would certainly be expanded by a team-based situation. Um, the, individual, the individual performances might possibly be affected from year to year, from event to event. But overall, in the grand scheme of how popular, like what's our Nielsen rating, like how popular is track and field, the popularity of the sport would greatly increase. And I don't think there's any way to argue that. Because, because again, if you have collegiate fan bases who are all behind their entire team and people are road tripping across the country to the cathedral to support, you know, Rice or whatever school was the ninth or 10th qualifier that got in, you know, and, I, and like I said, Lucius and I argue about how many teams. So that's the numbers are semantic. So let's not get caught on that. But I don't think there's any doubt that collegiately, if you can get schools behind teams and you keep scores that matter, more people will be interested. And this is what I want to say to you, Clyde, because see, you look at this because you think I'm trying to be elitist. But I think if you would take a moment, do a little research, you would find that some of the schools that you think might not make it are going to make it and it might even make it to the big dance because they're they're broad. They have a broader based team. They have a more balanced team because some of the quote unquote better teams in the country now are three or four people. When you're forced to come to a track meet and run every event, some of those people who you think might not make it 
are going to make it. Okay, because because here's the thing: we talked about this a few days ago. Okay, there was a team at Purdue a couple of years ago, um, the men's team, right? That clearly was one of the better dual meet teams in the country, and nobody knew because but see and those are the stories that will come out of a situation like this those so, there's gonna be teams out there that people don't under so there's gonna be a team that go to a meet to one of the regional meets that's there's six teams in the region they're the fifth grade team they're gonna find a way to upset everybody because the coach is going to out coach them and put his people where people don't you know that it creates a strategy for the whole thing yeah gentlemen i i am not debating any of that and again where did i originally go to school ucla I understand the magic of a dual meet. I'm a huge fan of the dual meet. I think we should have mandatory dual meets at least twice a year throughout the country. I'm cool with dual meets. I'm cool with quad meets. I'm cool with all of that. Like I said, at, at the end of the day, my heart, I am a purist and I want to watch the best of every event compete to say they are the best. I am less interested and I'm speaking to you as a fan, I'm certain, and I said that in the very beginning, Lucius, I am certain that your proposed idea is better for my career. I'm certain of that. But when I go to the meet, I want to see the eight best 100-meter runners, the eight best 200-meter runners, the eight best milers. I want to see the best of the best because I'm a fan of the sport. I am not, I'm not that interested in the rabbit so family. My, my only question to you would then be for where, where do we draw the line? Where do you draw the line between what's best for you as a fan versus what's best for the sport? So it's for you as a fan is best. Okay, I want the best of the best. I want the top eight. But for if it's better for the sport to have six of the top eight there, you think it's better to just say, we'll, we'll just take care of the fan. Well, well, that's and that's and that's where I think the rub comes in here. I think that the assumption is that that my perspective that I'm giving you as a purist fan is somehow not best for the sport. See, that, isn't that's that what the, that's, isn't that what we're doing now? Well, that's that's the debate that we're having, and that's what I'm trying. That's the part of this that's always drove me crazy is that the idea of the best for the sport is defined as what lesser people in the final like less talented people in the final is okay. better for the sport no i mean all i'm saying to you is is that you are fighting hard to keep the status quo and that's no fun. yes no i would like to improve on but, anything but, but you but you like can't i said it. To, you can't prove it if we will keep doing what we're doing well, again, I, I already offered, I offered a, a midway solution. I said, if you want to go teams, go teams, but you have to leave space for the individuals to come in and screw up the points. And then here's, and here's where the issue comes, okay? You can't allow individuals to compete in the team competition. And then on top of that, we're going to go back to what there's always been the problem of four and five hour meets, which don't fit television, which don't keep the fans interested. At the end so, of the so, day, so, so, so for me, again, it's, it's America. Exactly. America cares about balls and violence. <laughs> balls and violence. They don't, they don't not, respect what we do. Like, uh, that's not true. But, but you know what, though? But see, and that is what the problem is. 
is because that's what you think. And so then what's going to happen is we're going to be important every four years. And that's all it's going to matter. And everybody's going to status, the status, just keep the status quo. Last, just, last I checked, last I checked, the NCAA athletes are important every year. Well, now everyone's heard a template. We're open for, for, for some feedback. Woo. You know where to find us on Twitter and Facebook. So, uh, as y'all are sending in these ties, send send in your send in your vote for this rant. I've heard, <laughs> I certainly never get to be the voice of reason, so I I don't even know what to do with myself. Well, and, 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 and the thing is, like, there's nothing to be to be the voice of reason of here. Like, the, we have a difference of opinion, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. But I just, but just, I just didn't, I didn't. I mean, this this mm -hmm. elitist, this elitist nonsense. I ain't never been elitist in my damn life. That's bullshit, right there, dog. You know, oh, you talk like that. Mm -hmm. you know? Clyde Clyde called, look, I, I've been called a lot of things, but elitist? Clyde uh, called you elitist, and so you hit him with yeah. the listen, Linda. Listen. Yeah. No, well, hold on. Let, let me pull a Tony Reality real quick. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. candid or sincere, typically by pretending that one knows less about something than one really does. Oh, that's Excited me. Oh, that describes me to it. And then as similarly, similarly. Hey, well, that, you really believe that's, that's, that's who I am? Chuck. As Mary. Bye. What is she reading? <laughs> That's what disingenuous means. I believe parts of your argument were disingenuous. Yes, I <laughs> you know you you called me disingenuous. Don't try to change it now. No, the argument. Yes. I think you're making a disingenuous. You know, you said argument. you said you said I believe you are being disingenuous. That's right. The argument. The argument. That's right. I do. Believe you clean. You, you you know the tie helped you clean that up a little bit, though. Not enough. <laughs> I am not disingenuous, and I damn sure ain't nobody's elitist now. The the man the man himself no you are not the argument not so short to get this out of here <laughs> well yeah get him out of here because he's choking on this one <laughs> well if you weren't entertained I don't I don't know what to say about this one this this one uh, might be the episode to beat right now so um we'll go ahead and cap it off at that I almost thought we were going to be short on time but uh no we we fulfilled our our, our quota of minutes quite well quite well gentlemen. <laughs> So thank you as always. We'll, we'll welcome some uh, thoughts to grow as to what we were just arguing over. And other than that, we'll reconvene in about a week and we'll see each other soon. Be safe out there. Later. Peace. When the lights come on, the road just get to running. When the lights come on, opponents smash the plumbing. Would you like it warm, hot, knife the butter? Truth pin them hard, knock them off, that rebuttal. Tsunami, tidal wave to your puddle. Tough love punch you in the arms, little brothers. Athletics double, I'll see if there's no others. Track the field's pace and we'll peel to go further. Hey, Wiley, Coyote, it's Roadrunners. Feels like you know us, you've been with us the whole summer. If not for this quarantine, these four corners wouldn't be here, but we here, so start learning. You gotta earn your stripes, gotta get your scars. Show you how to fight, but show us who you are. You lack experience, but still you wanna talk. And who is that you're talking to? Your circle's kinda small. Heads prevail when the backbone's strong. Gotta keep it coming, no, won't last long. Pass or fail, then sell the sad song. And if you don't check yourself, then that's wrong. Just trying to give you the real that you asked for. So why you keep cutting us off to ask more? We put it in slow mode, but you fast forward. Athletics, devil, I'll see the task force. Well, that's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen.
If you like what you heard, give us a rating and review on iTunes and hit that subscribe button. As well, we encourage you to connect with others and share the podcast on your social media. Looking forward to next time when we connect you with another great track and field connection. Bye, guys.